welcome everyone to the Streaming Water Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Corning. This is our first episode of Streaming Water, so thank you for beginning this journey with us. Streaming Water Podcast is co-sponsored by Colorado Wastewater Utility Council and the Rocky Mountain Water Environment Association. And the purpose of the podcast is to talk about all things Colorado water and wastewater. So that's our intent, and today we are definitely going to do that. Today we have uh, guest Ron Falco from the CDPHE here to talk about a subject that's on everyone's mind, whether we like it or not, which is the coronavirus and the, the effects of coronavirus on water and wastewater. Ron, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do with the health department and uh, a little background on yourself? So I'm Ron Falco, and I am the Safe Drinking Water Program Manager at the State Health Department. And I've been in that role for about 15 years, and I've overall been with the State Health Department for about 20 years. All right. Well, you got any hobbies, or what do you, what do you like to do when you're not doing uh, health department work? I like to ski in the wintertime. Of course, that's uh, not been happening for a little while now. Yeah. And I like to uh, hike and go up in the mountains in the summertime, so just about anything in the mountains. Cool. All right. What is it? Uh, what do you miss most about uh, being in this lockdown, stay-at-home order uh, world that we're in? Well, I miss being in touch with all of the people, and ha- and, and doing meetings remotely is is fine. But I do miss uh, that interpersonal contact. And uh, but uh, you know, it's a sacrifice that we all need to make at present. And of course, I miss getting up in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. If you're like a social person, that's a whole different world doing uh, meetings on Teams and through through Zoom and that sort of thing. But but hopefully it's uh, it's helping the situation. Well, let's that's get right. into, let's get into our topic at hand, which is the effect of of COVID and COVID nineteen and the coronavirus on water and wastewater. Uh, I guess the first question on on everyone's mind, not so much utility employees, but the general public is is the is the water supply safe? And how do you respond to that? So EPA's and Colorado's uh, drinking water regulations require a really strong treatment to remove and kill pathogens, including viruses. So the water treatment systems in Colorado really do a great job on treating water, and we appreciate all their efforts to keep the water supply safe. The World Health Organization says that the presence of COVID has not been found in drinking water supplies and that the risk to drinking water is low. So, uh, you know, we at the department are continuing to implement the regulations. We're providing assistance to utilities so that they can keep drinking water safe for everybody. And of course, that's extremely important these days because hospitals rely on that as they're treating patients. People need that when they wash their hands, which we're all doing more and better of, hopefully. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really the last thing we need is for there to be a, uh, a problem with the drinking water at this time. But uh, if there is a problem with drinking water, you know, we are in position to make sure that that situation is identified, remedied, and also that public notification occurs. Good. Yeah, I've had, I've had people ask me that from a, uh you know, being a utility employee and, and I always tell them that's one, that's one thing we're good at is disinfecting and, and killing viruses and bacteria. have been doing it for years. We're, we're honed in on that. So that's, that's not the problem. There's some other, other uh, issues, but that is one thing that we've, we've got down by now. So that's good. 
Uh, do you think, is, have you heard, is there an increased risk for water or, or more importantly, wastewater workers because of the COVID situation? So not so much on the drinking water side, but for wastewater workers, you know, they're normally working with, uh, you know, sewage, so partially treated sewage or raw sewage. And so there are risks associated with that. And, and again, we uh, all owe them a debt of gratitude for taking care of that for us in the right way. So uh, we're not aware of any special risks created by COVID-19 to wastewater workers. Uh, CDC states that the risk of transmission through sewage systems is low, but that's depending on folks that especially work with that raw sewage, take the right precautions and use PPE like they normally should be. So normally those folks should be making sure that they're protecting themselves with uh, good hygiene practices, wearing gloves, and with, um, you know, raw sewage, making sure that, uh, you know, they're not uh, exposing themselves to that too greatly. So uh, really, I think it's more of if folks haven't been doing those normal activities the way they should be, then they really should be, uh, you know, working to take those precautions that they should be all the time anyway. And if they do that, they'll generally be okay. All right. Have you heard of, you know, related to that, have you heard of of shortages of, of PPE. I know people are having trouble getting masks. A lot of plants have have PPE in stock just for normal operations, but have you heard of, of shortages in either PPE or, or treatment chemicals from utilities around the state? So we haven't heard too much uh, just like specific shortages, like we need five of this or six of that kind of thing. But in general, yeah, I think all of us are aware that supplies are tight for a wide variety of things from hand sanitizer to toilet paper, of course. And so, yeah, um, you know, for wastewater workers, that, that PPE recommendation includes a face mask or splash-proof face shield. Uh, I suspect that those are a little bit challenging to come by at this time. In general, folks that need supplies uh, should really consider, uh, or, or whether they need supplies or not, utilities should really try to join CoWARN. That's our Water and Wastewater Air Area Response Network. It's free to join. And they can then, if they run into shortages of any kind, labor, PPE, whatever it might be, they can use that network to ask for assistance and get help from other utilities for those kinds of needed supplies. If that doesn't work for folks, then they can make contact with us and we can help at CDPHE to get those requests into the State Emergency Operations Center. Um, another avenue that they could pursue is to go through their local health department and local counties to again get those kinds of requests uh, up the chain of command and so that then hopefully we can find a way to meet their needs. Good yeah I, we're, I know we're members of CoWARN at, at my utility I know a lot of other utilities are and I think it's a great a great resource like I say I think the difference between uh, how it's been used in the past for the for the flooding and and tornadoes and, and localized type incidents is this is statewide and the big issue is is often human resources you know human capital of operators and and people that run the systems i heard of an effort through co that that the state or you know co was doing to 
to allow people to volunteer to help in other areas. Can you talk a little about that? Yes, uh, thanks, Blair. So we did put out a, uh, a sign-up effort to uh, certified operators uh, across the state to ask them to uh, sign up if they would be willing to help water utilities that might uh, come in t- to having some needs during this process. And uh, that sign-up sheet closes, or sign-up period kind of closes early next week. And then once, once we have that roster of operators together, we're going to load them up into CoWARN as associate members. And then utilities that are in need that put out a request, that will show up immediately to all those operators that sign up. And so that way, hopefully, there can be an efficient process to connect utilities in need with resources that can help them. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it in the in the medical field and pulling nurses and, and healthcare professionals out of retirement and, and getting them from wherever they can. I think this is, this reminds me of a similar effort, bring some of the retired uh, operators who still know how to, how to treat water and wastewater and, and get them back when we need them. So that's, that's a great effort. Thanks for exactly talking about that. All right. I think uh, we're going to move to our, our mid show segment, which is uh, ways to pass the time during social distancing. So, I'll uh, read some top five ways to pass the time. If you've done any of these, Ron, you can you can chime in. Um, you know, at your discretion. So the first one is a virtual museum tour. I guess through Google Arts and Culture, uh, you can tour the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, the Frida Kahlo Museum in Mexico, even the Clifford Still Museum in Denver, which is a favorite of mine, and I know Ron likes that one too. So yeah, I think uh, if you want to pass the time, they got some great uh, virtual tours of museums. You don't have to leave your your basement or uh, home office area to go on to. Uh, second one is learn to play an instrument. You play any instruments, John? Not at present. A long time ago, I played the piano, but not at uh, not at present. No, I tried to learn the uke. I think I've spent about seven hundred bucks in lessons on the uke, but I'm musically inept. But I'm going to try again because Fender Play is offering three month lessons uh, for ukulele, guitar, or banjo during the. Uh, during the crisis. So I'm going to try to take advantage of that and maybe I'll be uh, strumming the uke next time you see me. All right. Well, I like to listen to music, so we'll see. You're going to need to step it up, Blair. Well, I don't know. I don't know then. This might not be a good match if you feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one, spring cleaning. I know I've done a couple junk drawers and, and uh, reorganize some stuff in my garage. Uh, spring cleaning is a good one to uh, undertake during the COVID uh, stay at home order. So I know a lot of people have, a lot of people have been doing that. Uh, I've done some of that as well, but uh, I haven't found enough motivation yet to do all the yard work I need. Yeah, I haven't got out in the yard either. Mostly I just push stuff from my garage from one place to another, and uh, nothing gets thrown out, but I, I just replace it in there. Uh, the fourth one is cut your own hair. I know I need a haircut. The haircutting uh, salons have been closed. The barbershops have been down for a while, so it's time to break out those flobies that you may have from the uh, 80s and and give yourself a, a haircut practice with that and the fifth one make a theme spotify playlist i know our uh, communications department at work did this uh, more of a, it can be inspirational songs or songs related to the pandemic or social distancing songs but make a spotify playlist share it with a friend uh, it was a fun deal when we did it uh, our communications department at work did it so that's another uh, another idea for music lovers like yourself, Ron. 
Sounds great. All right, let's get uh, let's get back to some questions here. What uh, have you seen any strategies or, or protocols or changes in the way utilities do business? I'm sure you have, but what 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 have you seen due to this crisis? So we put out kind kind of an unscientific survey uh, last uh, week to water and wastewater utilities that closed early this week, and and what we've seen is about sixty uh, percent have. Uh, coop plans, continuity of operations plans that they're enacting at present. And so that's uh, encouraging. We'd like to see that number climb uh, over, over time here. It's likely going to need to. And so what we're doing also to help support that is gathering resources on our utility-focused webpage that we've got going for the COVID-19 response. And we're assembling a number of resources to help with that. We're going to be developing some trainings also to help with that. And we've been participating in some national uh, webinars and, and other communications on that topic. Uh, I think that we uh, also are aware that a number of utilities are thinking about sequestering healthy staff in their, uh, at their utility to uh, make sure that they've got an adequate workforce through this time period. Some of them have arrangements where folks are actually living at the facility uh, for, uh, you know, one to two weeks at a time for the operators to make sure that they have staff that's there. Uh, others are, um, you know, sort of thinking and organizing in that direction. And so we are in process of gathering some of those best practices from around Colorado and elsewhere to, again, provide that information on our on our website and uh, provide some training in that regard going forward. Yeah, and I know there's a, a pretty comprehensive Q&A document that the state, the state's been working on that, that, you know, I learned of through the Utility Council, and so that was very helpful. If someone wanted to get to that, how could they, how could they find that document? Just uh, go onto the state's website? Well, the best, the best way to get it quickly, I think, would be to Google WQCD for Water Quality Control Division, WQCD, what's new and if you google that the top two web links you'll get will be our covid resources for water and wastewater utilities we have an faq website that just has questions that we've been gathering over time from both the water and wastewater utility councils as well as common questions that utilities have asked in conversations with my staff uh, the second page is a utility-focused resource page that includes a broad uh, array of resources that utilities can uh, avail, them, avail themselves of, including connecting directly to CoWarn, lists of Colorado-certified operators that are contract operators, and a variety of other uh, topics and best practices from national organizations and also Colorado-focused as well. Great. All right. Thanks. One one other question is how how has the crisis affected your operations at the state as far as setting policies or rules or or enforcement? Have you guys have you shut down any departments or pulled back on on any activities at the state level? I'm sure you had to so, prioritize like everyone else. Yeah. So most of our activities are uh, you know are proceeding and and are working normally. We've been you know, generally we have strong relationships and partnerships within the regulated community. And so we're, we're working well, I think, through that. 
And again, fortunately, utilities in Colorado tend to do a really great job. Uh, we do really encourage folks to join CoWarn if they haven't. And, and, you know, whatever troubles they might be running into, I know sometimes folks don't always necessarily like to talk to the regulators about that sort of thing. But, you know, we're really in a situation where that's, uh, that's highly needed. And I can assure folks that we have you know, voices that reach all the way to that state emergency operations center. And we can get, uh, you know, do the best we can to try to help foster aid to utilities that are in need. And, uh, you know, that may not happen within 24 hours or something like that. But, you know, we, we are a resource that utilities can use to get help if they, uh, if they need it. Uh, one thing that we did do from, um, kind of the rulemaking sort of thing or, or side of our operations is that we did postpone uh, work on our narrative policy for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances or PFAS uh, from a, a hearing that was supposed to be in May to July. We postponed that for a couple months to allow some time for all of us to transition to this new uh, working environment. And so uh, that's a hearing regarding a water quality policy for PFAS that moved from May to July. Okay. Yeah, and from a utility perspective that I have, I, I think the state's been doing a great – I'm not just saying this because you agreed to be the uh, first guest on the podcast, but I think the state's been doing a great job as far as adapting to the situation, you know, communicating and working with, with stakeholders and utilities throughout this process. So I – I commend uh, you and your staff for that. Oh, well, thank you, Blair. Uh, it, it, go, it goes vice versa. We commend the utilities for, uh, for doing such a great job and staying in touch with us. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of operators and lab folks putting in, uh, putting in extra hours and, and, and risking, you know, sometimes their own, their own uh, safety, although hopefully not that, and hopefully they have the PPE, but yeah, they're out there working hard to, to serve their community, so that's good. Well, I think that's about all my questions. Did you have, did you have anything you wished I would have asked that I uh, didn't because of my inexperience with, uh, with this? Well, no, but I would circle back to just one item that, uh, that you mentioned, and I, and I just didn't quite get to it in my response, which was on a shortage of uh, chemical supplies. So uh, I just wanted to say that we did hear back from our survey that, you know, that bleach supplies seem kind of tight. So we haven't heard of any specific shortages in Colorado or nationally, but, you know, we're aware of that issue. Some folks commented on it. And again, if you're running into trouble there, uh, please contact us or utilize CoWarn for help. On, on a national level, uh, we have heard of some issues with carbon dioxide, which is part of, I guess, a byproduct of ethanol production. And ethanol production is kind of tied to the oil and gas industry. And as the price of gasoline has gone down, ethanol production has declined. And so... Uh, I, this is something that EPA is aware of and on top of, and so is the Department of Homeland Security. But, um, you know, these chemical supply chains are complicated. And so, uh, again, if folks are having issues or trouble with any of those kinds of things, uh, please connect with us and let us know. Again, we have voices into those kinds of levels to be able to help with um, utilities that might be in need. 
Uh, but we will be reaching out to utilities around some of these issues over time to make sure that we understand how folks are doing with their chemical supplies. All right. Thanks for that. Are you, uh, are you ready to take our final quiz then? Oh, let's go. All right. This is called Would You Rather? So I'm going to give you some options and you tell me what, what you would rather do. All right. Would you rather uh, watch the Tiger King? Binge on the Tiger King every episode, or B, do home projects that you've had on hold for the past five years during the uh, stay-at-home order. That's just going to have to be Tiger King. Yeah, Sorry. I think you got that one right. You got that <laughs> one right. All right, number two. If you're in a supermarket and you can only grab one of these items, which one would you grab? A, New York strip steaks that are on sale 75% off. Uh, B, toilet paper. Or see a box of N95 face masks. Which one would you go for? Yeah, steak. Steak. I, I think you got that one too. I think you got that one too. Yeah, for, fortunately, we, we fortunately we have enough toilet paper. We didn't hoard it, but we got enough. Yeah, good, good. You can make your own face masks too, but you can't make your own New York strip. You know. All right. Final question. You're going to get three out of three here if you get this one right. So, uh, good luck to you. Uh, who is the best at social distancing? A the Sasquatch, B, the Unabomber, or C, a teenager with an Xbox in his room? That one's quite challenging, but I'm going to go with Sasquatch. Sasquatch, you got that one too. That's three for three, Ron. Thanks for, uh, thanks for playing. All Second right. one was a softball. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, I think uh, we, I appreciate you coming on the show, and I appreciate you sharing all that information. It's, it's valuable stuff, and I know – we're, we're through this. We don't know how far through this, but I think working together, we're going we're gonna to come out of this. And, and so thanks for uh, providing the information and, and talking with us today. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Blair. I really do appreciate it. It's good to get out this kind of information, but also good to have a little bit of fun doing it too. And that's uh, certainly one of your specialties that we always appreciate. Well, thanks. And to our listeners, uh, we got more episodes to come. We had a PFAS episode schedule a lot of these got pushed back due to the the covid situation but we plan on talking about pfas at some time we plan on talking about utility management uh you know various topics some engineering topics we got lined up so tune in to more shows you can reach us at streamingwater at mail.com if you have any comments or topics you'd like us to tackle uh, if you like the show, tell a friend or give us a review in your podcast player. And thanks for listening. Thanks again, Ron, for being here. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Happy to